What's clear, so maybe my teaching isn't relevant at all because it's about how to get unstuck. I think we've got the wrong teaching for the wrong crowd. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, gee, what do we do now? Um, <laughs> but it's kind of interesting because I definitely saw shifts and movement in places that people had been stuck. Um, it feels like some of the, I'm seeing people tearing down walls of timidity you know, um, and people pleasing, and I, there's just a lot where I'm seeing movement where people have been frozen for a while in one spot, and there hasn't been any movement. Um, so maybe this is just an affirming teaching for all of you that are doing things of going, oh, let's look at this. So um, anyway, I want you to go to Second um, Kings 7. My teaching tonight, I'm excited about, I have to say, because it made me cry. And um, it was, it's kind of inspired by Joe because she was asking about th- me about this section of scripture that is something that lives for me. It's one of those, um, you'll see as we get into the record, but it's a story of four guys that were in a bad place, just as bottom, 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 as lousy a situation as could ever be. It's one of those situations, and you know, and I've faced this many times in my life, and I'm assuming you have too, where every direction you look looks bad, where all the options are not good. You know, you've, have you ever experienced that? Everywhere. You look, you look this way, that option, oh, hate it. This option, hate it. Staying where I'm at, hate it. So this is what was going on for these guys, and, um, and it moves me as far as what happened and, and how this played out. So my theme for tonight is, at, in our last teaching of new beginnings for a new year, is going to be about getting unstuck. So, and think about it. I want you to think about right now, if there's, uh, just think about, are there any places you're stuck? where the move, there hasn't been a lot of movement. You've been sort of staying in one place. And I want you, as we look at this record, to think about how that lives for you. Because I'm, I'm going to, like, I know one, you know, like, that, that it's lived for me many times in my past, and even just recently, um, and that's why I'm motivated by this whole thing of new beginnings for a new year, because I saw... Some places I was stuck last year, you know, like, and didn't, there wasn't the movement that I'd like to see last year. And when I saw it, it made me mad. You know, I'm just like, I'm not okay with that. So, um, and this story is, is exactly about that happening for, uh, for a few guys. And we're going to look at, uh, in Second um, Kings 7, I mean, yeah, Second Kings 7. It's, what's going on, just so you know, is... This is a really, really bad situation. You've got, uh, in chapter 6, you see that the king of Aram uh, it was, was fighting with Samaria, and there's a huge famine. So people are so starving. This is so bad that what's going on in the city is that they, they say, like, a head of a donkey, which is an unclean animal that people didn't eat, is selling for two pounds of silver. So, back in the day. So, this is just sort of like, so this is like a pretty disgustingly not edible thing. That's how bad the famine is, is selling for two pounds of silver. 
And there's a story that happens right before it that's one of the most gut-wrenching, horrible stories about these two women during the famine where they make a deal to eat one of their children one day. And the deal was supposed to be, and the woman tells the king, she's like, we made a deal, like we ate, you know, like we were supposed to cook one child one day and eat it, and the next eat her child, and she, she hid her child. So th- we're talking dark days. For people to get to that place of desperation, I mean, it's just one of the most, talk about a bottom place to be, and imagine being in a situation where that's what's going on around you everywhere as far as, you know what like it's not just you that's desperate but all the people around you are that desperate and that bottom and there's you know uh not really any place to turn people are starving um and doing desperate hideous things so in we pick this up in um chapter seven in verse three we've got it says Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. So now out of a bad, dire situation, lepers are not, are even more the bottom of the heap of, you know, you think about people are starving, things are desperate. Leprosy was a disease that, I mean, you've heard about it, right? It's just where your flesh is kind of rotting, falling off. It's, you smell, it's disgusting, it's not... People wouldn't get close to people that were lepers. They were unclean. So this is like in a city where all of this is going on, they're at the bottom of the heap, really. And so you see where they're at is they're right outside the gate of the city. So this is their town, and somehow they're made it out. I don't know what, you know, they're just outside of um, of where they live. Um And so what they say in this, and I love it so much more in the King James because this is the mantra. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? King James, which is my mantra, says, sit we here until we die. That's King. I just feel like it's more powerful that. It's not like, "Mm, why should we sit here until we die? The King James is like, sit we here until we die. Like... They're sitting outside, and it's just like, if we stay here, we're going to die. Staying where we're at means death. And so for so many of us, like some people don't get a grip on that. Because the truth is, is they could say, hey, at least we're not in the city with all those other miserable people. You know, they're right outside the gate. But inside, they got like... Their, their options aren't looking too good. So they're saying, sit we here until we die. It says in verse 4, if we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. So going back to where we came from, this is where they're from. So returning to where they came from, they'll die. And then it says, staying where they're at, they'll die. And then it says, um, so let's go over to the camp of the... Uh, Uh, Arameans and surrender if they spare us we live if they kill us then we die so here's the here's the situation where they just came from is bad sitting here you know maybe I don't know they're alone nobody's harassing them who knows they'll die slowly or somewhat slow I mean I guess not so slowly 
starve outside of the gate. Or the other option doesn't feel so good either. It's not like, oh, we're going to go down this road and, and it'll turn out great. That's not like really what they're looking at. What they're looking at is that the other option, you know, of moving forward from where they are and going someplace else is still really uncomfortable because they don't know what they're in store for. You know, the, it's really kind of up in the air. It's possible they could die there too for all that they know. And it probably would might be even, if you think about it, it might be even worse or more uncomfortable in a way because which is worse? You die starving with your own people, all your friends or the people you know or in the town you're from, right? Comfortable slow death or whatever. Or you go into a town that's your enemy and you might, you know, show up there for help and they'll kill you. You know what hit me, you know, so the, these, are the, these are the options that they've got, which none of these look great, but they kind of figured out that the one of going forward at least has at least some possibility of what if they didn't kill us when we got there. <laughs> they think, yeah, they'll probably kill us. They're the enemies, probably, you know. But, uh, but just in case they didn't, then we'll live. There's at least some chance. Because that's the only place that they can go that's, un- that's unknowable so that, that there's any options. They kind of know what the other options are looking like. So it's kind of cool because in verse 5, it talks about... Um, and so uh, it, it says, At dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. Now, when you're thinking about this, again, I want you to think about, like, what are the options? What's it look like going back? You know, what's that look like? You know, it's kind of predictable, right? You know what that's w- got in store for you. What are the options of just staying put and not moving? What does that look like? That's kind of predictable, too, as far as what that's going to do. And so, and what's ahead? Because I'll tell you, usually when it comes to growth or healing, what's ahead looks scary. It's not usually like it just looks like a rose garden. It's not. It's not like it looks like a clear, absolutely obvious choice that this is flowers and roses. Because usually any path of, gr- of healing or growth is not like the most comfortable journey. You know, it's unknown. It's frightening. And guess what? I, you know what comes up for me is I was thinking about they could sit there and go, gosh, how stupid would we feel if we spent all, because we got leprosy, probably not feeling the greatest or the healthiest. If we put all this effort, which is exhausting, to go to this other city, and how dumb would we feel if we get there and they kill us? Would have been way better to sit on the road and at least have a, some kind of, you know, or to go back to our people where we know everybody and we're comfortable, you know, in our own hometown. You know, how many, honestly, this really, I think about this because how many times is it's like the effort, what's, what's the holdup is the effort to put in to change or moving forward when it's like, I'm not guaranteed this is actually going to work out because I don't know what's ahead. I can't see it clearly. But where it's like, I'd rather be safe than feel like a dummy and put forth a lot of effort to something that may or may not pan out for me where there may or may not be fruit, you know? Because I bet it was scary along that walk, not knowing, you know, it could be a violent death, you know, like that it's the enemy, they could be angry and, you know, all kinds of things. Um, so if 
you know, maybe they got tired along the way, on the way to the other city, and we're sitting there going, God, are, are we dumb? Like, oh, this is kind of difficult. This is tiring. I don't feel good. Like, what if it doesn't work out? Kind of thing. Um, so it's just, it's, it's like if you look at all the things in your life, for me, it's just sort of, I'll tell you the big, big, there, there's, uh, one of the biggest, biggest turning points of my life um, was was definitely when I had gotten to such a bottom in my life that everything I had done and all of my ways of doing things just kept not working out. And um, it's it's kind of crazy how long I kept trying to do the same things and hoping for a different result. They you know they tell you that's the definition of insanity, right? You just do the same thing over and over again, and hopefully. You know, there's, it'll work out differently one of those times. It's called, the Bible calls that false hope. One of the things that's kind of cool about this story is that they were realistic about what the options were. They could have sat there on the road and gone, you never know, we could go back to the town and it could turn around and there's no famine. If maybe we'll just sit here, it could just magically get better. Or we could get, sit here on the road and, and stay where we're at and maybe somebody will come along and give us food. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, but we go there in our own lives. I've spent years and years of my life sitting on the road, wait, thinking, you know, or going back to the town, thinking that somehow magically it's all going to change and get better without any reasonable expectation as far as why that would ever actually happen. Um, I mean, it's my, one of the biggest areas I feel like God, healed me after I got born again was in the area of of relationships because I had spent my whole life having horrible horrible relationships with men one bad relationship after another and just I kept thinking that magically I was doing the same stuff but thought that magically some great guy was just going to come out of nowhere you know and then it would all change and get better and that it was just about waiting for that to happen you know Uh, but it took took years, unfortunately, for me to get to the place that I was so needy and so desperate and so down that I was like, I've got to try something else and take a different different path and to actually get to the place that I reached out and got some help and stopped trying to do it my, my way. Um, and it's funny because I feel that way about, you know, like I say, that I think one of the things that's been that I was just really shocked about how long I've been stuck on this writing thing. You know, I'm sitting there going, I spent, how many years of my life have I, wait, have, have I wasted because I had this horrible, horrible fear of writing? Like, I'm, it's embarrassing, honestly, it's, it's like it's embarrassing that I let that hold me back for so, so long. That I was so fearful, I did not get help, did not even pursue that, just stayed stuck. I've been stuck on that for years. As far as just sitting there, now come on, my job is communicating, whether it's in do, here as a minister, as a teacher, I do that. Like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And somehow I found it okay to just be absolutely frozen and stuck, not even looking to try to get some help or support or ask or whatever. I just stayed there, like stayed put, like immobile, you know, not moving. Because I didn't look, you know, and you know what? I'm not doing that anymore. I don't want to be stuck anymore. So... Sit we here until we die? I tell myself that all the time. Like whenever I'm sitting someplace, it really motivates me. I I look at these guys and I'm like, I am not going to sit on the roadside. I am not going to just sit here and wait to die. 
You know, I, there's places I'm, I'm not going to settle for that. Any place in my life. I, as soon as I see it, ugh, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I, it's just sometimes it takes me a while to figure out that I've been sitting by the roadside. Sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've just been sitting. I had no idea in the writing thing with all the fear that I've had about that that I was sitting by the roadside the whole time. I just, like, it, it really made me mad when I realized I was doing that and not even looking at it, you know? Um, so here we go. So it, in verse 5, it says, At dusk they got up. So I'll tell you, most of the challenge is just getting up and going. I'm telling you, just get up and head in the direction. <laughs> That's all you've got to tell yourself. Don't worry about the finish line. Don't worry about getting there. Don't worry about the end of the journey. Just get up and move. Where, are, where do you feel like God's calling you where you're stuck? Think about it right now. What would be, where are you stuck right now? What would be heading in the direction of being unstuck? Where is God calling? Because I bet you God's calling you in some places in your life to make a move someplace. You know, that you've been afraid to move. Think about that. You just got to get up and move. Just get, get out of all the trying to figure it all out and control it and figure out what the end is and where it's going to wind up and everything else and just get up and start walking down the road. Wherever that might be. And then it says, they got up and went. When, when they reached the edge of the camp, <laughs> you wouldn't believe this. This is not what they were expecting. They're expecting the enemies probably pull, you know, knives on them or something like that. You know, chop their head off or whatever. So they show up to the camp. And I'm imagining that they're getting there fearful. Wouldn't you think? They're getting closer, and they're going, oh, God, was this really dumb? We're getting close here. This could be bad. You know, how is it? I would, I would be, my heart would be pounding in my chest just wondering, are we going to live or die when we get there? So here's what happens, though. When they reach the edge of the camp, not a man was there. There were no people. There was no, you know, guillotines waiting or whatever. In verse, uh, or whatever they were using back then, in verse uh, 6, it says, For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired a Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys and left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. Now, here's a contrast where this is also the other side of things. Because these guys... We're afraid of something that wasn't there. So they had something really good. Do you know what I mean? Like, they were fine. They had the upper hand. They had the camp. They had it done. They didn't have a famine. They had food. They were fine. They were in a good spot, where, you know. But fear about something that was so not even reality got them to get up and bolt from everything good that they had. There's the other side of the coin. How crazy is that? This, this was totally not even real. These people, none of this was real. There's no Hittites. There was no, you know, the other team is starving. Eating, you know, paying two pounds of silver for donkey's heads. And, you know, and they're just sitting there at absolutely bolted for absolutely no reason when they had everything right there that they needed. So you see the opposite end of that as well. So, so these guys get to camp and there's nobody in the camp. So get this. In verse 8, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver and gold and clothes and, and went off and hid them. Then 
Then they returned to another tent and took some things from it and hid them, them also. I'm telling you, they went from a place that was totally starving to having everything they could want and way more than what they could ever have. All the food they want, all the gold they want, all the, they got leprosy. <laughs> you know, and God's like pouring the riches down. It's just sort of like, I'm telling you, you head in the road that God is calling you to, that's what's in store for you. I'm telling you, that's how God operates. If God is calling you into the direction that he's drawing you, I'm telling you, it's going to be a camp full of everything. Like, it is like, it is not, God is not skimpy, guys. God is not going to jip you. God is not going to shortchange you. It's not going to be a bad surprise at the end of the road. I'm telling you, this was so beyond, they were just hoping to stay alive, like probably get thrown in prison and be a slave, but at least food, have some food. I mean, I'm sure that's what they were thinking, right? We'll go into slavery, but we'll, we'll be alive at least, right? Wouldn't you think so? It's the enemy camp. You know, you're not going to think that they're going to sit you down at a banquet table. So, you know, so that's what their expectation was, but they got food, you know, everything, just plenty, way more than they could ever have. So they're just going hog wild, this is how God works. This is how God works when you take his, his road. And then it says, <laughs> in verse um, 9, it says, this is so cool. Then they said to each other, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. I'm telling you, you got something good that God did for you? The thing to do is not to keep it to yourself. I'm glad these guys got it. They were like, God blessed us. And they weren't just going to sit there and hoard it and keep it like, oh, it's just us, ha, 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 you know. They're just like, you know what, there's a lot here. And other pe- people could be blessed too. We could go back home and tell our friends and everybody else, everybody would have food and everybody's okay and everybody stays alive. I just think it's really cool that those guys got that. Like they could have just totally, you know, screw them, you know, I don't, you know. <laughs> more for us, but... Um, but they didn't, so I just love, I love that they were like, this is not okay. We can't keep this to ourselves. If we wait till daylight, punishment will overtake us. So let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. And so they went and called to the city gatekeepers and told them, we went to the Aramean camp and not a man was there, not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys in the tents. Uh, left just as they were and the gatekeepers shouted the news and it was reported within the palace (laughs) the king got up in the night and said to his officers I will tell you what the Arameans have done to us they know we're starving so they've left the camp to hide in the countryside thinking they will surely come out and then we will take them alive and get them into the city so this is kind of don't you it's funny don't you think that's a little funny so it's kind of, because these guys are excited. They found something awesome. They found something amazing. And they're just like, man, th- come here. This is a place where you're going to get blessed and God's going to take care of you and there's plenty of everything. And they go back and, and to their own town. The town's like, oh, no, it couldn't be that good. How about, has that ever happened to anybody sharing the gospel? You know what I'm saying? You go back and you tell people and like, no, couldn't be that. So then the, it's just like talk about how, how our minds work sometimes. So so the kings all got it figured out. There's no way. This has to be a trap. They just, they just sneak. They're just fooling us. You're going to go in the city, and then they're going to come capture us. We can't, it couldn't possibly be that easy. 
as far as you go in and there's food and everything to boot. Like, come on. But I'm telling you, it is how God works. It really is. It's not, a lot of us have a problem. I've struggled for a long time with waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, I'm sure nobody can relate to that. But, you know, where, honestly, I lived a lot with God. A lot, I think, a lot of years in my faith where I was waiting for the other shoe to drop in a way where I just really did not get God's goodness, where I just sort of sat there and it was hard for me to receive it. It was hard for me to see that God really wanted to take care of me and wanted me blessed, where it was kind of like, um, you know, uh, just to trust that. And partly is because it is hard. The, r- the truth is, is that there is a lot, you know, that is untrustworthy. You know, there's, there have been a lot of things that look good on the outside, but when we got there, it wasn't true. A lot of things that weren't God and weren't from God had the promise of something wonderful, but we got there and not so much. Do you know what I'm saying? Where we got disappointed, disillusioned, hurt, let down. You know, and so a lot of us have trained our hearts to not expect very much from God, just figuring that's the same deal. You know, don't get your hopes up. You'll get disappointed. I'm telling you, that's not how God works. You know, it's, it's hard to see it, but you're not going to see it just like these guys are until you get up on the road and start moving. Don't expect that you'll have it all figured out and know for sure that there's a rainbow at the end of this until you start moving. One of the things is just getting the place of take a look realistically. What does it look like to go back? What does it look like to stay where you're at? And what are the possibilities of ahead? It's okay to say, yeah, ahead, what if it goes this way? Or what if it goes that? What are the real options? Reality is your friend. Reality is our friend. You know, so I love the thing of, I'm telling you, I want to find out places that I'm stuck. And I don't want to sit, you know. I just love those lepers and what happened. The story of what happened when you don't, you know. Like, what would have happened if they just sat there in the safe place, you know, and didn't move, you know? So in thinking about, like, the, the new beginnings for a new year and what God's got in store for you, think about whatever the areas are right now that you haven't seen them, that aren't moving. Places that you've just been staying in the same spot for a while that you're not blessed about, it's not working for you, not happy, you know, that are unsatisfying to you. Where it's the same thing over and over, what, think, hoping for a different result, but, you know, doing the same thing, hoping for something to change, and it's not changing. You know, at a certain point, it's just like we've got to get sick and tired. Maybe we're not dying because of it. Maybe that's not the option. But, but there is a certain death in not moving. Death of dreams, death of what could be. Death of you know, the, the promises of what God has in store. You know, I'm telling you, God will not disappoint you. If, take a look, because God is willing to show you the direction that he's calling you in. What, it, what would that be? You know, it's worth, we talked about the prioritized thing. This is a good thing to be praying about. If, you, if it's not clear to you right now about what that looks like for you to start walking down that road, because all it takes is just, just get up and move somewhat in the direction. One of the hardest things to do is, is you know, an object that, you know, the, the law about objects that are in motion. What, how do they say that again? The objects, it's the physics law. Yeah, an object in motion. 
inertia. The, hard, the hardest part is getting moving. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get to. But the, basically, it is like it's easier to keep something moving that's already moving. If something's staying put, you know, the law of inertia, it's hard to get something move. It takes a lot of energy to get something moving. Once it's moving, it's easier to keep it in motion. So this is huge, guys. If you're wondering about the places you're stuck, you just got to start moving. S- just, and it helps to just see it that way. Instead of seeing the whole picture, trying to get to the finish line, to just go, I just got to get up and move. So what would that be? God can show you what that step is as far as what's next for you. I believe that God's got amazing things in store for each and every person here. That God's, you think your dreams are big, God's are bigger for you. You know, I'm telling you, you think small compared to what God's thinking for you. Like God in Ephesians 3.20 says, God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God loves you very individually and has amazing things in store for you. And we limit God. Every single one of us limit God and, and the way that we see of what's possible. God's got way more in store for each and every one of us. But part of it is, what is the road he's calling you as far as where, like, what, what would that look like? What would be the next step? But God can reveal that to you. Let's give Nancy a hand. Uh. So Nancy's first teaching about, you know, looking back on 2010 and, uh, you know, what do you want in 2011? And so, you know, as I've shared before, you know, I think the one area that, not the one, but one of the <laughs> areas that I feel like I was, I was stuck in last year was in being others focused and getting outside of my box and really reaching out to others. And so, um, so that is definitely something that I really want to press forward to and grow in and be more bold in. And so, um, so I found this verse the other day, and uh, it's Exodus four ten. If we can all go there, Oh Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So in the New Living Translation, it says, uh, I get tongue tied and. And I'm not good with my words. And so I said, yeah, that's me. Like, I always feel like I'm always getting tongue-tied and flustered. Like, you know, that's one of the things that holds me back from speaking to others. I'm like, oh, I'm going to sound stupid. They're not going to believe what I say. You know, I'm going to get so caught up in my words and I'm going to get stuck. Like, when I get nervous, I just kind of freeze up and don't say anything. And so that's what I envision. I think, oh, well, might as well not even say anything. Like, they're going to get so stuck on how I sound so dumb. Like... What I'm trying to say is not going to come across. And so um, so if we go on, it says, The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who, gave, who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? It is not I, the Lord. Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. I've said that I don't know how many times. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's so me. And I, I was just really shocked. Like Moses, like the leader of the people who led the people out of slavery, out of Egypt, who parted the Red Sea. You know, I always think back to the, you know, the Ten Commandments movie. Um, 
like this was him saying I, I I don't know how to talk you know like I'm not eloquent with my words how like go and send somebody else like this was Moses and so it really spoke to me in the fact that we can still have these fears like God can still use us effectively like and so then it goes on even better um let's see here it says well 14 it says then the lord's anger burned against moses and he said what about your brother aaron the levite i know he can speak well he is already on his way to meet you blah 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 okay so he he said okay like I'll work with you. I'll work with where you're at. You don't want to speak to the people? That's fine. I'm going to, like, we can compromise. You go ahead, Moses. You do the, the miracles with your staff, and I'll have your brother Aaron do the speaking. And so it was a compromise. It was where Moses was at. Obviously, you know, when you, uh, well, when you read here, you, if you see the movie, like, I just always get the vision of the movie. But, um, you know, you don't, you don't see Aaron. Like, you see Moses. Moses was, is the one who got the Ten Commandments. You know what I mean? Like, Moses was the one who was, he ended up speaking for the people. And so, uh, so it's always amazing how God can work with us where we're at. Like, we can include God. We don't have to have all of the right words to say to people. We don't have to have it all planned up in our head. This is check mark I'm going to say these things and they're going to come to church you know what I mean it doesn't work like that you know but we can pray about it we can we can be honest and communicate to God with our fears what are your fears you know what is it that holds you back from inviting people to church what is it that holds you back from sharing your story you know what holds you back from you know just speaking and and being others focused what is it you know so for me and reading the word lately has really helped me to see what is holding me back um, and the way that God responds to those things. Like, for here, he compromised. He said, okay, let's, he saw Moses' heart. Mo- I don't think that Moses didn't want to do it, but he just got caught up in his fear, you know, and that's how I feel. It's not like I don't want to do it, but sometimes I just get stuck in that, you know, and so, um, in verse 29, No, sorry, verse 31. It says, I'm sorry, this was all planned out great on my phone. Uh, It says, he also performed signs, talking about Moses, before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. And when I read that, that just moved me, because I just think back when other people told me that, God was concerned about me and that he um, and that Jesus was with me in my darkest moments in my darkest times that he was there for me and so that's what for me that's what I want to carry out I want to be able to share with other people God sees your concerns you know he cares about them you know and the way that God shows them that they that he cares about him is sending other people he sent Moses and his brother so that was his way of showing, this is my concern. I'm, sh- I'm sending you these people to lead you out of here, you know. And that's how, that's how I view all of us, you know. God has given us these tools and abilities to share with other people that God is concerned about them and to lead them out of the bondage, lead them out of wherever they're at, out of a broken heart, out of a, you know, 
whatever their situation is, you know, like that's us. Like God uses us because he is concerned about his people and that since he's concerned, he's not going to just leave us with a lack of words when we go and we want to step out the boat, you know, and ask people to come to church. I think that's it. And I'll pray for the offering and, and pass the basket around. Cool. Oh, my heavenly father, you always uh, show up and you always come through, Lord. Uh, it just amazes me. I know I say that all the time, but I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm amazed that you always show up, and and I am just so grateful to be a part of this home, this church, Lord, um, that you've provided for us, this family, where we can feel safe, where we can feel connected, where we can feel... Um, well, you can feel all of our needs, Lord. So I just, I thank you for being here with us, and I pray for our offering, Lord, that you um, that you help us, Lord, that you can help us uh, be a cheerful giver, Lord. I know sometimes I get stuck in that area, too, and, and I just pray that you can help me to see how you will provide for, um, provide for each and every one of us, Lord. I know that you always come through, and you won't you know, not come through with money either, Lord, um, that you will, when we give, that you'll make sure that we are provided for, Lord, and um, this is definitely an amazing place to give to, to have seekers retreats and uh, put on the dating workshops, and these are huge things, life-changing events, Lord, and so I pray that you can help us build into that, to give and uh, just see the fruit of people coming to you and experiencing your unconditional love. So I lift this evening up to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.